Dear brothers and sisters, what a nice morning, although it's a little bit uh, cloudy. We praise the Lord for His mercy and faithfulness, that He woke us up in the morning and gave us strength to come to church, to worship Him together in our church. This is a normal Sunday morning as usual. But have you lifted up your head and looked into the bright sky for a moment? As I mentioned just now, our day today is cloudy, and I, when I prepared my introduction, it was sunny. So let's pretend today, today is, we are still in a sunny day, okay? Um, if you did, you would, see, you would see the source of the light, the sun. And it gave light to us so we can see and also we can live a happy and good life. But can you imagine life without the sun and all kinds of light? And everything is in darkness. Can we imagine when we are worshiping the Lord in darkness today, here? We have artificial light today, as you can see. But in Apostle John's time, other than daylight, they only had oil lamps, but they were very expensive, and very people could afford them. So life can be scary and depressing without any light, and we can easily get lost, and we won't be able to find our way to our home or to our church. The text we just read tells us, tell us that some Christians had lost their way. There are many people in this world, they think they are Christians, but they walk in darkness. They think they have fellowship with God, and they think they are, they think they are right with God, but they are not. They deceived themselves. Are you living in light or darkness? Do you see the light of God? This morning, John proclaims to us, we must need the light of God to find our way. So the theme of our sermon this morning is God reveals that he is light. First point is the nature of the light. Second point, the effect of the light. And the final point is the salvation from the light. Now let's begin with our first point. God is light. Verse 5 connects the gospel message, which is preceded by verse from 1 to 4. That is the prologue of Apostle John's letter. The, let, the message refers to the eyewitness testimony about the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth as 
proclaimed by John and the other apostolic witnesses. And now the message that John wants to proclaim is what he heard from Jesus himself. It, is, it was the first-hand message. So John, he grants the message on the gospel as procla- uh, uh, on the gospel of Christ, not on himself. So it closely relates to the salvation of his readers, and also including every single one who is sitting in the pew this morning. This message begins with that God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all, which is the fundamental message of His letter. And it is a description of the nature of God. The heresy of John's time was fond of using dualistic terms. It was based on the doctrine that the universe is under the dominion of two opposing principles, one of which is good and the other is evil, such as light and darkness, good and evil. They used these two terms as a metaphor. But John, he uses them as they were found in the Old Testament And the light is in connection to the truth. For instance, in Psalm 119, verse 130, which writes, The the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And another example we can find is from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, which says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for for light and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So, So God is light means God is the source and measure of all that is truth. Unlike the lamp needs electricity to produce light, God is light. And he also gives the light without help. Unlike world religions and philosophers who claim they have learned or discovered the truth, God says, I am the truth. I am the source of the truth. And God is light does not mean God is the light. It doesn't mean God is the light. Because there is no article, T-H-E, before the noun, light. Either definite or indefinite. You cannot find it in our English translation, and you won't be able to find it in our Greek version of the Bible. That is the original language of the Bible. So the Bible does not tell God is the light, the the spirit, or the love. Light, spirit, and love are God's nature. The light indicates God's character as pure and completely sinless. So in him is no darkness at all. 
as far as we know, seeing and evil came from the devil. But God has nothing to do with seeing and evil. He hates them. They are not his plan. And he never caused them. God is nature, God is light by nature. He is absolute in glory, truth, and holiness. He is the sum of all excellencies. Light is what God is within himself, within his being, essence, nature, and character. God dwells in the in his splendor, glory, and brilliance of light. Wherever he is, the splendor, glory, and brilliance of light shine out of his being. When God's glory is present, there is no need for the sun, as we told, as we are told in Revelation chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-three. God is not light as pantheism. Advocates that God, the, the, the lower lower letter God, not upper letter God, that God and the universe are the same. Pantheism means all things are God. But Scripture clearly tells us that God created the light. So light here is a metaphor that is used to help readers. Know about the nature of God. That is, there is no darkness in God. He is truth, love, and righteousness. The first appearance of the light revealed in the Bible is the first fundamental property of the universe created by God. All living things on the earth need light to grow and. Flourish, so the light was was the source of light, life, and the light makes life far more pleasant and savor than living in the dark, darkness. At the beginning of the world, when the earth was without light, the earth was in darkness. Darkness has no existence by itself, simply as an absence of light. So when God created the light and put the light into darkness, the darkness is gone. Light conquers darkness. Light and darkness cannot coexist. This metaphor of light sets the stage for the application which comes in the following verses. This brings us to the second point. The the effect of the light. So the second point will cover the most part of our sermon this morning because it covers more verses, from verses six through ten. From verse six to chapter two, verse one, John uses six ifs. In Greek, the original original language of the New Testament, as I just mentioned, this if. Ina indicates there is a supposition where the reality of the issue is uncertain. 
it conveys something may be true or may not be true. So you are not sure. And, and these ifs can be divided into three pairs. And each pair consisting of if we say, followed by a negative statement. And then but if, followed by a positive statement. For, for example, verse 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. And then immediately in verse 7, which continues to say, But if we walk in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. So the same pattern happens to verse uh, verse 8 and 9, also happens to verse 10 and 11. John says in verse 6, if we, have, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This means if you truly have fellowship with God, then you must walk in the light and have no association with darkness because light and darkness cannot harmonize together. If you are with God, you are in the light. And you will manifest like light. You will not say, God, I love you, but I still want to live in sin. And you will not be one kind of person on Sundays, but another the rest of the days of the week. If you are truly in the light, you will be consistent Every single day. doesn't matter if it's Sunday or Saturday or Friday or Monday. John might oppose some kind of antinomianism in his time, which was taught by some false teachers. It was a doctrine that rejects the law of God. They totally abandoned the law of God. Some years ago, when I was in China, I met a Canadian pastor. I guess he was from a broad evangelical church. He told me he totally rejected the law of God. It is no use in the new era. How did they do that? First, they taught, since Christ has come to save us from sin, now we are sin-free people. And we do not need to obey the law. So we can live whatever life we want. Because we are saved anyway. So you can take drugs. You can sleep around. And you can indulge in all kinds of lusts. Second, they denied the sinful nature because believers were enlightened people. So they lived above sin. They are not under the sin. They are above the sin now. Therefore, they did not need a savior. Does this doctrine sound familiar to us today? Antinomianism is one of the major liberal Christian thoughts in our day, which has, which has misled a lot of Christians. John points out that This is against the truth. If you say you have fellowship with God, then you must walk in the light rather than in the darkness. 
Without the light, you cannot see the truth. When you are in the in darkness, you cannot see anything. You see nothing. But when the light comes in, the light lights the darkness and exposes our sins. And the false teachers also taught that fellowship with God was based on knowledge only. In other words, you they they believed salvation by knowledge, but not by grace. However, John refused it. We must also refute it. To walk in the light is not to walk the truth in your brain. It is good to know the truth, which is a guide for us to live in the light. But you also need to be affected by the truth and continuously live it out to demonstrate that you truly agree with and accept the truth. Otherwise, you still live in darkness. Jesus, Jesus says, The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. If you say you walk in the light, but you still long for satisfaction in darkness, then you are lying. The truth is, you do not see the truth, and you hate the truth. John, James writes, another apostle, James, he writes, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God will not set a double standard, which is contrary to his nature. He is always consistent in his truth. There is no gray area in him so that it can be detected. There is only an either-or situation in God's standard. Either you are in light, or in darkness. If God is my light, then He should be my, should be the fulfillment of of all my deepest longings, and I would not go beyond Him to find satisfaction. Not even in my the most close relationship in my marriage from my husband or from my wife. If I desire anything more than God, it doesn't matter if, you, if I say I live in light. The reality shows I am still living in darkness. Let's also face the truth. If the God of light cannot satisfy us, how anything in darkness possibly can? So walking in darkness is the reason which destroys our fellowship with the God of light. But verse 7 gives a stark contrast with verse 6. By emphasizing 
what preserves our, our fellowship with God? It says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus is His Son cleanses us from all sin. What does walking in the light have anything to do with fellowshipping with one another? Another apostle, Apostle Paul, echoes by saying, At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right in and, and truth. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. But instead, expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. All the children of God are called the children of light. So children's, so God's children all live in the light, and for this reason, we can have fellowship together. Just as Paul says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? But this does not mean we cannot be friends or cannot work with unbelievers. No, this is not what John means. On the contrary, we should shine the light of God before them so that they can see we are the reflection of the God of light. To fellowship with one another means fellowshipping with brothers and sisters in the light of God. We love one another. We worship the Lord together and live this life for the same purpose, which is to serve the God of light together. To walk in life means being loving people to your fellow believers. But walking in darkness means being people of hate. If you hate if you keep hating, your life is in darkness. You can't say you love God while you hate your brothers. To walk in the light also means understanding that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. It is all sins, not some of them or part of it. Not just now, but also include the sins of past and the sins of future. To walk in the light does not imply sinlessness. We are still in the process of sanctification. The day of perfection will only come when Jesus returns. But, but Jesus is the light, the true light of true light. He enlightens you to realize 
You are sinful, so you need His blood to cleanse you and sanctify you all the days of your life. And then John continues to stress another condition of living in darkness. In in verse 8, he says, If we say we have no sin, and then in verse 8, 10, sorry, in verse 10, if we say we have not sinned. The gospel clearly told John's readers that everyone inclusively had sinned, but the false teaching denies the existence of sin, like many philosophies or religions of our day. These false teachers were blind and could not see the light, and they tried to lead another blind person. They will both fall into the the darkness. Whoever believes or advocates it is self-deceptive, but also blasphemes God by making him a liar. People who know you know you have sinned, and you yourself know by your conscience that you not only have sinned, but also have sinned. Denying sin exposes someone who is still walking in darkness. They, they are false Christians who thought they are genuine believers. They might do good and serve the church earnestly, but inside of their hearts, they do not think they are sinners who need Christ's blood. They do not understand how deep or bad their sins are. True Christians may also have this inclination. Paul says, All Christians and Gentiles are under sin. You might be comfortable with your secret sins. You might commit the sins repeatedly, as if no one can see it. Or you might be pretty confident about yourself, thinking, I am a good person. I have done so much good work. I have given so much money to the church. You are deceiving yourself. Your confidence in yourself does not bring you into the light. But faith in Christ's blood does. Confessing our sin demonstrates that we are now walking in the light. But, but if we confess our sins, God is faithful and powerful. He will forgive us. There's no thing that can be so secret that hides that hides in the darkness that is beyond the forgiveness of the light of God. One indication of living in darkness is you rationalize, you rationalize your sins. You deny sins and reject to, to admit you have sinned because of your pride or self Deception. And you, all, you always blame others or even God for the sins you committed. You cannot accept the light because you are restrained in darkness. Don't, don't consider you have light in yourselves as if you are God and you reject the light of God. If God is right 
and surely he is right. Then indeed we have seen, we sin. So John is writing to encourage us not to sin, and also he comforts us that God does not take delight in weeping us. He does it because he loves us, and he wants us to go to Christ for solution, for comfort. And this takes us to the final point: the salvation. From the light, Apostle John says, "Those who insist on walking in darkness do not know God, but he also knows true believers still sin, although they walk with the Lord. But we do not need to despair." Because our belief is not based on perfect performance, no one is able to live a sin-free life. It's not realistic. In this life, no one can. Only Jesus. We talked about God revealing Himself as light in the Old Testament in our first point, and now God reveals Himself. As light, more fully in the New Testament, in the flesh of Jesus. John writes about another John, the Baptist. John the Baptist. John says about the Baptist, John the Baptist, who came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light. But came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. In the opening of his gospel, John speaks of Jesus as the light coming into the world. He speaks of this to demonstrate that Jesus is the very embodiment of truth, love. And righteousness, as I mentioned in my first point, God is truth, love, and righteousness. And Jesus, He has revealed these attributes of God to us more fully. So John said, "I am writing this to you so that you may not sin, but if you sin, you have Christ." As your advocate, and he advocates with the Father, because we are sinners and we sin, therefore we cannot come directly to God, the Father, who is light and holy. No one can, not even Moses. He wanted to see God's face, but God said, "No, you can only see my back." We cannot stand before His holiness. This is why God sent His Son to be an advocate for us. Christ is like a lawyer defending you and I before God. We cannot find the light of salvation in us, but in Christ, who assumed our human nature, so He understands our suffering, struggling, 
and weakness. He knows far more than us about what it means to be a human. He has been tempted by sin, just like us, but he has never sinned. And he will never sin because of his holiness. So he is able to be our advocate between the Father and us. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, he does not stop stop advocating for us. He still restlessly advocates besides the Father on our behalf. For this reason, we do not need to fear that we cannot do perfectly, perfectly good. Because Jesus has done that by fulfilling all the requirements of the law for us before God. It is Christ's blood that keeps you in the light. If you truly know that, you would not sin on purpose because you would not want to hurt someone loves you so much. And this is the true motivation for you not to sin. If you truly know how, Christ, how great your sins are and how much Christ loves you by shedding his blood for you, then you walk, will walk in light by his blood. Verse 2 says, Christ is propitiation for every single one of his sins, your sins. Jesus suffered and died, bearing God's wrath and anger toward, toward our sins. We need to remember God is not only love, but he is also just. We are free from God's condemnation because Christ took it. He paid for our sins. It is not free to appease God's wrath for the attributes of his trust. Christ sacrificed himself as a priceless price to God. Now, God has, has to forgive and accept us because Jesus has paid it all for our sins. It would be unjust if God does not forgive our sins. And then John continues to say that the, this propitiation is also given to the whole world. What does John mean here? Did, did Jesus die for every single person so that they all are saved? As the universalists believe, they believe everybody will be saved. No, this is not what John means. And in fact, we do not see everyone is saved. And because apparently not everyone believes in Christ. Christ's propitiation for the sins of the whole world means his call to the world is earnest and his blood is sufficient to save all, but only effective to those who believe in him. He has accomplished the purpose of turning aside God's wrath toward those for whom he dies. And we believe not because we can make a decision to believe in Christ on our behalf. 
No, this is, if this is the, the case, then faith becomes a verb in action that is generated by us. And our salvation will be based, will based on our work. Our Reformed faith emphasizes that even our faith is a gift from God. So we have nothing to boast before God in salvation, which is a sheer grace of God. Through Christ, to the particulars, not to every single person. But if, but if one rejects Christ, then the responsibility is on this person. Now, since we have Jesus as our advocate interceding for our sins, how can we not give thanks to him and walk in the light? How can we still habitually walk in darkness as if we have no association with the God of the light? If we are still walking in darkness as an unbeliever, come to God, ask him for mercy. He is faithful and merciful, and he will not turn away from earnest repentance. If you are a true believer and happen to walk in darkness, confess to the Lord and you will receive forgiveness because the Father loves his children. Now we can come to a conclusion for the sermon message this morning. To live in darkness is terrible, but to live in darkness forever is incomparably more horrible. We all deserve to stay in the eternal darkness because of our original sins and actual sins which we have been committing. Thankfully, the light of the world, our Savior Jesus Christ, has come, and His blood cleansed us entirely. He has died for us once and for all, so that we do not need to die in eternal darkness. This is the light of the gospel. And if you understand and accept Christ Jesus and his saving work, you are walking in the light. Walking in the light means repenting of your sins, loving your brothers and sisters, and living confidently in the light of God. Let's now sing in response to hymn 19.